Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, it's Suggestible Pod. It's the time that you get to listen to things to be suggested. You dragged me back into this hellscape. <laughs> Why have you done this to me? No, I'm very excited to be here for Suggestible He's, Pod. Are you, you don't sound excited. Get upbeat. Get get happy. I love podcasts. Come on, get on, get happy. Love, you got to um, chase your fears away. I've got no fear. I don't know the words to this song. Da, 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 de, 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 de. I like love you it. you do know the words to this song. Yeah. Do you know what my other favourite song is? No. Don't rain on my parade. I love it. It's, it's your, so good. Maybe Collins could play a little part of it here. Barbara Streisand right sings it. Yeah. At the top of the show. Yeah. So for new listeners, they're, this yeah. they're getting. Yeah. Like a much, yeah. like a, oh, yeah. I guess it's a more yeah. entertaining piece of media. That does make sense <laughs> to put that in. Don't tell me not to live, just sit and putter. Life's candy and the sun's a ball of butter. Don't bring around a cloud to rain on my Do I kick things off this week? Yeah, we're called Suggestible. We have a newborn baby. This is tough. At Suggestible, we are Suggestible Pod. And we recommend things to you to watch and listen to. I'm James. I'm Claire. You're James. We're married. Off you go. And you're married. Right. Right. So I'm going to start with uh, Ronnie Cheng, Asian comedian, destroys America. Uh, that is a stand-up special on Netflix came out last year, which I started, and then I realized that I didn't finish it. So I only recently finished it, and it's fucking hilarious. So people don't know, Ronnie Cheng was born in Malaysia. He then moved to Australia, Melbourne specifically, and now he moves. he's currently in New York. Uh, you might know him from this Netflix special. New York, New but, York. Put in the song, colleagues. Put in the, the song. And I'm singing it. I'm leaving today. Sorry. Uh, Crazy Rich Asians, he's in that. He works on The Daily Show. He's going to be appearing in Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, which is an upcoming Marvel film. Correct. About Kung Fu I didn't know he was arts. going to be in a Marvel film, but oh, then, yeah. unsurprising, it's everybody is. He's a big deal. He's gone he's a, places. He's in the big time. He's hit the big f- he time. Really has. He's hit well, the big fun time. I've, I've told this story before on my more successful podcast, The Weekly Planet, but I about 10 years ago I went to a comedy night and he came up and he was just starting – because I think it was in early tw- early to mid twenties, and he just had people like fire Asian stereotypes at at him, and then he like shouted them down like on the fly on stage, oh. which was real. It was really great. It was like a massive highlight of the night. Luke McGregor was also there, which is who's also now we love incredibly him. famous He's comedian. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Who was also good. I sh- they were both highlights. Is what what I'm saying. is happening? Well, they're, it's funny because it. they're the two that I remember. Like I don't remember anybody else, but I remember those two specifically. Anyway. This comedy special covers a bunch of things. It's kind of a, mostly a, a takedown of like Western culture or American culture in particular. Uh, and also here because there's not that many differences between here and the US. But he talks about how something I can really relate to. Right? How, when you're watching something, you've got like eight screens going at any one time. So for me, I've got my laptop, I've got my phone up. And then you've got a TV playing in the background while the podcast is going at the same time. So he kind of gets, he gets into that, he gets onto Amazon delivery. Uh, he talks a lot about immigration and the, and the role of that in society, in particular then a large portion of it is the role of Asians in a society and what they kind of bring to a culture. And a lot of the time he says it boils down to things like 
their indifference to things that are going on in the world, which would make them the best impartial judges because they're like, they don't care about anyone else, like race or whatever you are. It's just, they just want people, they just want things to be like efficient and work. The kind of, the whole thing kind of culminates where he tells this story about how he had to catch a flight to be home to Melbourne for his wedding in 2016 and whatever it was. And his fiance rings and she's like, Oh, why? How's, you know, you at the airport? And he's like, I'm not there yet. My flight doesn't leave for, you know, for till tonight. And she goes, no, it leaves in like two hours. So it's about him then getting to the airport. Uh, it's just amazing. He's a really terrific comedian and a good guy by all accounts. Mason knows him better than I do. Uh, um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's well worth it. People might have checked it out already, things that did come out last year. But, yeah, Ronnie Chang, Asian Comedian Destroys America is really hilarious. Excellent. Really cutting observations. Yes, I really loved it. Really funny and angry, which I yeah, enjoy. Yeah, I like the one where he talks about trash because I feel the same way in packaging. Yeah, yeah like, he does. That's how this, did, yeah. Yeah. did you watch this? Yeah, I have. Oh, yeah, I loved okay, it. Great, yeah. yeah, I thought it was so funny. I watched it at the time because I'm up to date with my cultural references. Well, look at you. Actually, I'm not up to date, but I did watch that at the time. I loved it. But, yeah, I feel like that about packaging. He talks about how people seem on the streets of New York to just not see all the packaging yeah. everywhere. And that's how I feel. We're just, like, drowning yeah. in bloody excess packaging Every and paper week. and plastic and it freaks me out. Yeah, it really I mean, does. Obviously, I've moved on from my freakouts because there are larger things in the world to freak out to, but it's one of the things. One of the things you can freak out about. One of the things I really enjoy him, and I love a comedy special. It's really nice. I feel like I'm watching more comedy specials now. Well, there's too. more available. There's so many more and they're really great. Good. Really yeah. good quality. I mean, there's still some pretty average stuff. Oh, but, yeah. But, but you normally can tell in the first few minutes yeah. of what's. Totally. It's good because it used to be like you'd have to get like a special on HBO or whatever. That was like the thing to do. Yeah. Well, it was you'd get like two minutes of stand-up on Conan or whatever. And that was yeah. the, that was what they used to do. But now there's all these different avenues where you can release them. Or you can even release them for free on YouTube. So, you know, there's... Yeah, yeah, like I'll, Dave Chappelle. Yeah, that, I, yeah, I yeah. love the idea behind what you, what you can do now. Me like too. Like you're not beholden to like a media company to save you, you know? You yeah. Can, I mean, you are, if you're Netflix or whatever, but you don't have to be, you know? No, I think that's no. really exciting. Yeah, it is really exciting. I do – I have missed, though, this year not going to the Melbourne yeah, Comedy Festival. Yeah. I do love that time of year. And there is, is something – coming back this year? Next year. It's not coming back at all this year. Not this it? year, no. So I know it was initially delayed, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was just – I just don't think – I don't think so. As far as I'm aware, it's just too hard. It's just there's too many venues. The international travel alone – because we get yeah. so many incredible international acts. So I really just don't think it's possible. Yeah, it breaks my heart because it's just such a vibrant and incredible time of year. But also the comedians put so much work into it. It's such a large chunk of their revenue for the year as well. Like ticket sales account for so much. And, and there's something incredible, exactly. And there's something, and I've really missed this actually, particularly because we've just had a rise in cases again in Melbourne this yeah. year, this month, this week, today. Whenever it is. Anyway, whatever time frame. And I don't know, just miss being in a room with a mm. whole lot of other people. I know you don't. But I, I do. Yeah, and yeah. being relaxed and not being like, was that a cough? Was that a sneeze? Yeah. Are you wearing a mask? It Are bleeds into like real life because I'm not real life, but like things I'm watching because I was watching Knocked Up, which oh, I'm well, going to talk about. That is so telling that you were like real life, my life I mean, online. Tele- I mean television. Oh, like, that is but your dream a to one day sitting, be integrated with in technology. Doctor's, doctor's waiting room and there's like kids crawling everywhere and people sit next to each other. And I'm like, this is a nightmare. Like if I walked into that now, I'd be like, oh, I can't be in here. Like I can't sit in this room. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I know. And obviously it was like 2007 or whatever that movie came out. Yeah. It wasn't not a real problem but it yeah, does make you really think changed. doesn't it it makes me really sad I had a moment yesterday mm. where I felt really really sad about it and we're lucky you know we've got very few cases really and compared to a lot of places in the world but I miss that 
idea that we're all in this together physically. Yeah. I mean, my mum is a GP and she was talking to, this is wild actually, she was talking to some of her patients who lived through World War Two. And they were yeah, saying that this is worse. This is the worst thing they've been through, mm. which is just a crazy statement to make. And But then I also think it's a little bit justified in how people are feeling because one of the things that gets you through is like, not you, you love being alone, but like is the togetherness, you know, and people getting to go to church and sing together and, I don't know, go to theatre shows and, you know, on hug. the streets, hug. Yeah, it, seriously. I know you're like, hug, but seriously, hug. You know, and you suddenly are, it's just a whole different world and that's a real loss. Like I'm really keenly aware of just how different our lives are and it really struck me today. Did you, anyway. see, did you see the thing about the arts? Luke McGregor put it I up. I did, I'll yeah. Give, I'll do it in a, in a nutshell, but basically he talks about how funding to the arts is like the first thing that gets cut in Australia. But the, the contributions that the arts made in comparison to, say, air travel. Oh, my God. It's like hundreds of billions compared to like, 11 billion or whatever. I don't yeah. know the exact number. I think it was like $8 billion versus $185 yeah. billion. And, I, I, and look, we're probably biased. But I guess We are in the arts. I guess technically we are. <laughs> like it doesn't feel like we are, but I guess technically we are. But but yeah, I mean, I, I just think like it does contribute to the comedy. Like I know it's, it does contribute to society monetarily. Like it's not just uh, you can have a laugh and escape, escapism, which I also think is yeah, I know. Important. But the idea that there's also monetary value in this. It's idiots. a huge industry. Yeah, it's a boost to the economy. What do you Yeah, doing? I know. But it's like suddenly it's because the it's the value more than the actual value. Correct. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think that's the issue, particularly with the government we have at the moment, or that they don't see it as an essential service, no. even though how do you think everyone's getting through? They put in a few million recently. It was 100 million or whatever it was. I can't remember. But it was like... It looks good on the surface, but it's a paltry amount to what comparatively the, compared to what yeah. the billions that they're giving to other industries, yeah, you know, which don't contribute nearly as much. Yeah, it's, but again, it's, it doesn't affect me because we don't, we're not reliant on that on that money. But no, it, but it, it is really interesting and and also really depressing. Yeah, just about. Anyway, so support the arts, guys, because the arts. Or support bigsandwich.co where you can get a bonus <laughs> podcast from Planet Broadcasting in addition to an ad-free feed. Oh, that was such a great ad. It was so full Thanks. of enthusiasm. I it. Anyway, all right, so enough of me banging on about how I want to go and hug strangers and I can't. Don't hug strangers. That would be well, the worst. I don't want that even without a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I like, I like being hugged. I like people. I li- I'm a hugger. I'll give you a virtual a hug out there if you need one. Mm-mm. That's the sound I make when I hug people. Mm, mm. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to something that will cheer everybody up. Cheer you up to your boots. I'm ready. Okay, I want to talk about Love Life. I watched Love, love Life. Love Life, you got to love your life. Love it. You don't yeah. have to love it. No. Well, I do. I don't know. Anyway, it stars Anna Kendrick. It's so great. Zoe Chow plays her best friend. It is um, kind of like an anthology that yeah. it follows the lead character Anna Kendricks, who plays she Rick. plays Dar- yeah Anna Kendrick plays Dar- Darby Carter, and Zoe Chow plays Sarah Yang, her roommate and best friend, and it follows her um, relationships basically mm. over time, and so it jumps ahead. Um, through her life from when she's a teenager to, you know, when she's sort of in her, I'd say, late 20s, early 30s, and it's kind of her career and her, and it's set in New York. It's fun. I think it's really fresh. I think the, the chemistry between the characters is really, really great. 
Um, it's just another really interesting examination of different types of relationships and yes. some of the characters, like the guys she dates, I love because I recognise them. Oh, yeah, you see them everywhere. Yeah, like friends of mine. Oh, my God. There's one in particular, um, Magnus Lund, who is played by Nick Thun, and he's like a chef guy who I've just seen so many of that type of guy where like initially he's like, also charismatic and like he's always talking about big dreams and like buying a farm in the valley and having mm. babies and you know making organic wine and all of this stuff and then it turns out that actually he's just an asshole who sits around all day and he's yeah, his undies leeching and off her and it has a lot of debts and mm. but she kind of got swept up in the romance of him and they end up you know anyway I won't spoil it but it's just I've seen friends date that exact type of guy yeah I have yeah. friends that are probably that guy. Also. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you don't. Yeah. I don't what think I think you it do. does, because it kind of do, does really well, it does kind of different archetypes. And it's not just men, it's women as well. Oh, but yeah, like, totally. And the different yeah, kind of relationships you have, whether it be like it's your first heartbreak, it's your pet race relationship with your parents or siblings, it's bad yeah, breakups, it's flings, it's a bunch of stuff that it kind of focuses on every episode. Yeah. He's getting a second season, which I don't think they should. Well, no, because it's not focusing. So Anna Kendricks isn't going to be in oh, it. Oh, it's going to be a different person. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. So I, yeah, because I don't think you I didn't can. Know that. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's done. It's it's definitively like. Correct, exactly. Because it's written and directed by, well, it's directed by or produced by um, Sam, Sam Boyd. Sam Oh, Sam. What is it? No, I have I thought I it was Sam Boyd. No, Sam Boyd, it is. Yeah, Sam. So get, get your facts straight I did write over that there, down. friend. Mm. Yeah, by Sam Boyd. Um, he has some female writers, though, on the writing staff, which I think you can really tell. I should hope so. No, but it does make a difference because the dialogue um, it feels real, yeah, feels really real. It's narrated by Leslie Manville, um, and yeah. I like Who's her narration. She? What's she from? Um, she's a um, British person. Yeah, she's just. I looked her up, and I'm like, what's she from? I know because she just sounds so familiar. Like her voice, her vocals sound really, really familiar. Um, I'm just looking her up now. Oh yeah, yeah, because I've done this before. I've looked her up before and go, oh yeah. There's not definitively nothing that I kind of know her from. No, but I just I feel like I've heard her voice yeah. over before. She's in Maleficent and, and Phantom Thread and a bunch of oh, other stuff. Well, she just does a really comforting kind of voiceover. It sounds like someone reading kind of a storybook. Mm. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's also really about really how you never really figure it out. Like, you know, you're constantly kind of yeah. like, I mean, it's always changing and evolving and then you're like, oh, am I doing that well? Because this person's doing better than me. You're like, but I'm doing better than that person. That's, yeah, yeah. That's, it's, yeah it's, and yeah. also it's, a lot of it's to do with friendships as well. That's what I really mm. liked actually and I liked the story arc of the friends that you have in your 20s and then how that changes as you all get older and change yeah. and breakups happen and so she kind of has this cohesive unit of mates who all mm. live together and and then things happen to those relationships. Some of the relationships split up, some of them stay together um, and then you grow and change and you might drift because yes. it's hard, I think, once people start having kids as well, it's hard to kind of stay friends with those people but they have been such a pivotal part of your life and I think that's really interesting to explore too and how now like, for instance, I was reflecting recently, one of my really good friends is getting married which is so exciting and I was thinking back to the fact that we've now been friends for almost 20 years. Yeah, right. And yeah. that number, yeah. you know, you have friends like that. You've been friends yeah. with for longer than 20 years mm. and that's crazy. And how those friendships change over time and what you're there for and what you sit through and then also kind of the resentments and stuff that you can have or like people like things that have happened where you've offended the other person or you've missed something or they've been offended by something you've mm. said. 
Um, you definitely lose people along the way, and it's yeah. not. And it's not just because, say, someone has kids and then you don't see them. Because I have friends, who, friends who don't have kids, and you know we're still friends. Yeah. But, but there is you just kind of you drift apart sometimes. Yeah, for, for, for different yeah. reasons. Yeah, and there's that whole saying that friends are there for a reason um, or a season. Yeah, right. Something else. Yeah. And I think that's true. Like just because someone might just be friends with you for a particular point in your life, like yeah. through uni or absolutely, you know, um, and then there are friends that are there with for you for life or. They'll never leave. You. Never leave. Anyway, I just found that really great. Also, also Zoe Chow is bloody hilarious. Yeah, she's got, she's she's got a really awesome. good episode like revolving around, or a couple, around addiction because she starts mm. off and she's like this fun kind of, she's a party girl and whatever, and, and then yeah. it, and as she just gets older, it's like it suddenly becomes like there's a subtle shift to like this is actually a problem now. Like it was, yeah. it's adorable whatever when you're like 23 or whatever, but then. Yeah. You know, when suddenly, you know, when you're mid-30s, it's like you're actually harming yourself and others. Like it's uh, – yeah, yeah, and the progression of that too. Mm. And I think because – and that's actually something really interesting to reflect on, isn't it? Because mm. the the behaviour that like you can enter into when you're in your early 20s and you're drinking – like if you're drinking heavily or partying a lot, mm. that same behaviour 10 years on – yeah, it starts to become really problematic when I guess maybe because your the responsibilities in your life increase so dramatically as well. Yeah. So if you that that kind of stuff you can get away with while you're studying at uni or something, or if you're you know working totally. in a part time yeah. job, but if you've got to show up every morning at, mon- at Monday and you have people that rely on you and how that can sneak up on you. Yeah. Yeah, and then also how they support each other through that, and yeah, it's really interesting. Anyway, love life. Good. Is it? It's on. I thought it's got like it's got like mixed dish reviews, but I don't know. I think it's better than that. I think it's. Yeah, um, I do too. It's good. I think it's, it's really, really good. good. Yeah. yeah, and funny, and the. And I, I was Kendrick surprised. I didn't great. look at the reviews until after. Be like, what's the consensus on this? And it's not bad. Like, it's more positive than negative. But I'm just gonna have a quick look again now to see where it's at. But yeah, it just kind of surprised me that it was. Oh yeah, sixty percent Ron Tomatoes. Yeah, well, that's like I read a um like about like last week we reviewed plus one. And I just, I loved it. And then I went and read the reviews and they were like mediocre. Oh, but really? I, I wonder though why, like who are the reviewers too? Well, that there is like, there is like a lot think. of like guys like my age that are reviewers or older, which I'm not saying that that doesn't mean your opinion isn't valid, but I'm just means like it can skew a certain way. And that's what I thought yeah. when I read, when I read both, so a couple of reviews that were written about mm. um, Plus One and then also about Love Life. It, and they were written by blokes, and I thought, mm, yeah, there's some things in the f- that maybe yeah. you've missed because these these type of shows that are coming out now, I feel more reflect genuine experience, my genuine experiences. Yeah, and don't get me yeah. wrong, like there's negative reviews here from women, obviously, but yeah, there's definitely some things that you might not connect with because it's not necessarily for you. Yeah, but I like watching shows that aren't not always. Sometimes I hate it, but like aren't for me because it's like a different. Yeah, me too. That's because you're a woke man. No, I'm not. I'm you're, no, you're mostly asleep. <laughs> yes, I'm True, dumb but... fuck. Anyway. <laughs> oh, you're great. Yeah, but anyway, I'd recommend that. Love Life on Stan. It's on Stan. Uh, it's here, but it's, I think it's HBO Max overseas, uh, cool, I believe. Yeah. It's yeah. real good. Yeah. Um, 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Good. Cool. All right. Your turn. Uh, I've actually, I've been on a bit of a Judd Apatow kick and I'll tell you why in a minute. Ooh. But I've gone through Knocked Up, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Get Him to the Greek, This is 40. Uh, I, I like a lot of his work, like super bad. A lot, a lot of these things, is, he might not, not necessarily direct or write himself, but, but he he's produces, involved in, yeah. in them. Uh, getting them, getting them going. So I've just, I've just got a baby here in one hand, just trying to get this happening. But the most recent work he did, which is something that he uh, directed, is the King of Staten Island, and it stars Pete Davidson, who people might know from Saturday Night Live, and probably more famously, as he mentions in his stand-up special, dating Ari- Ariana Grande for a bit. And she, he talks about <laughs> how she made him famous. Um, Rissa Tomei, people would know as well. Bill Burr, comedian. And it's about this. It's it's loosely based on Pete Davidson's real life. He's a guy in his mid twenties, but. He got into comedy at a young age and then when he was like late teens, or early 20s, he got cast, he got discovered and he went on Saturday Night Live. So he's kind of, that's the role that he's, that's what's happened to him. Mm. But this is about how what kind of wouldn't happen, would have happened to him maybe if he hadn't have found comedy because what happened to him when he was younger, his dad actually was a firefighter who died in 9-11. Mm. So it doesn't say the 9-11 thing specifically. It talks about his dad uh in the movie dies in a fire, not that it really matters when it happens, but he, you know, it's, it's about how he's lost his dad and he's got this crazy ideals in his head of what the kind of person that he is. Cause his whole life he's taught, taught about how his dad was this hero and it kind of, kind of fucks him up because he's kind of, he knew him and he was this awesome guy and to him, but you kind of find out later that he was just a guy, like he was kind of a lunatic. He wasn't a bad guy, but like he was a guy, like like anyone's yeah, a guy. Yeah, yeah. That's what you discover, like about your parents naturally as you get older, because you you see them age and you kind of see their flaws and you know. And yeah, you and you start to realize then, yeah. that they're just they're yeah, not human in a bad beings. way. I think it's no. a good. I think it's a good thing. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of an alternate history of his life where he's kind of stuck, and his little sister's going off to college, which is played by which is played by one of Judd Apatow's kids, the oldest one. I can't remember her name. I should look it up. Uh, who's great as well because she's in This Is 40 and Knocked Up as well when she was younger, but she's kind of been able to move past it all because she never knew him and he kind of resents that because she didn't know him so she'd never had that connection the way that he did. So it wasn't seemingly not as affected by it. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, it does make sense, yeah. So he's got these like insane ideas like he wants to start a, rest- a restaurant slash tattoo parlour and people <laughs> are like That's a- no one wants to eat a steak while getting tattooed or watching people get tattooed and he eventually – uh, forms a relationship with his uh, mother, Mr. Tromay's new boyfriend, who's played by Bill Burr, who's really, for me, like a, a huge highlight of this movie. I don't. I think it falls down when he's kind of not around. I think he's a big draw card uh, for mm-hmm. it. I enjoy his comedy, but also he's in Fist for Family. Mason and I talked about recently. It's a comedy show on Netflix, a cartoon. So they form a relationship and he starts hanging out at the fire station and all those kinds of things. And that's how he kind of gets to know his father through these other people and the kind of life that his father lived. And it talks about how... He's, he has a conversation with like, if you're a firefighter, you shouldn't have kids because what happens if you die and then you leave mm. your kids? You know, it's selfish to have a family. And yeah, so it talks about things like that. And it's not hilarious, but there's very funny moments in it. And if you go in thinking like, this is going to be like knocked up or whatever, it's more kind of, it's it's more serious and talking about depression and 
and, th- and things like that. But uh, yeah, it's, I really, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to watch that. Yeah. It's on my, my to watch list. Mm. Um, I just still, I still haven't got there. It didn't, it didn't like blow me away, but I yeah. just more like, I just really enjoyed it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 I know, yeah. I recently listened to Judd Apatow, 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 with obviously my fave Brene Brown on her podcast, Unlocking Us, and he talks about vulnerability and laughter. It is Maud Apatow's daughter. He's got two oh, R's and Maud. Maud. But there, yeah, you go. Gonna, yeah, um, there you go. Yeah, and so I just really feel like I like him a lot as a person, yeah. like a human. I think he's really interesting and their conversation is great. He also has a great conversation with Russell Brand on his podcast, Under the Skin. Right, right. Both of those conversations are so fascinating because he talks a, a lot about why he creates what he creates because he makes some of my favourite stuff or he's involved in that that kind of line where it tugs at your heartstrings and makes you, pulls you into really human moments but also makes you laugh out loud at yeah. exactly the same time. And Freaks and Geeks is one of my favourites that yes. he, you know, that was kind of his first thing that he made that was really famous. Yeah, well, he, he worked on like Larry Sanders show and things like that. But yeah, yeah. that was like a the big break, the big breakout. Yeah. yeah, and um, just the kind of moments that he manages to find and and pull out, and they're not like big grandiose no. kind of like slapstick comedy moments. They're like moments that you've experienced or remind you of moments in your own life that you've experienced that make you laugh. Yeah. And I just think he's oh, so great and hilarious. Um, and because he's a child of divorce, mm. he kind of talks with Brene and also um, with Russell Brand about being a child of divorce, being a child of parents who didn't grow up with any religion, even though he's Jewish. Yeah. And then him kind of seeking out meaning in life and and where yeah, that right. could, where he can find meaning because he didn't grow up with like a spiritual context to put everything in. Mm. I really love that. So he's really drawn to sort of Eckhart Tolle, who's a, a writer that I really love, um, and he does a lot of spiritual kind of reading about life and humanity. And it's and he's 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 a lot. He yeah, it runs quite deep with him mm. that kind of stuff. And he said part of the reason being a child of divorce means that you are constantly trying to figure out how you're going to survive and stand on your own two feet and work out the world yourself. And you're also constantly trying to make people laugh and make things okay when things aren't okay, when your parents are arguing all the time and it's really difficult. And so you can kind of see that in his comedy Mm. and that's also where his drive comes from for creating as much as he does and making things work and being a really good producer because he was constantly aware that he had to stand on his own because of coming from this kind of fractured family and trying to make everything work and make everyone feel okay. I just thought it was really it's a really interesting conversation mm. um, about why he makes what he makes. But, yeah, he just makes my favourite, like he does, like it's so hilarious and slapstick, even forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah, I, I literally just finished watching yeah. that. Yeah, and there's so it's hilarious. much. It's hilarious. And but there's, there's a difference between that and like This Is 40 and Super Bad. Like they're all. They're all different. They're all yeah. different, yeah. But they all have something, moments in them yeah. where you're laughing but then they get you. I don't think there's a bad one. Like there's ones that I don't like as much as others, obviously. Mm. Like I never loved like funny people with Adam Sandler, though I should watch it again. Maybe I'd enjoy it more. But I also like Leslie Mann who they're married in real oh, life. she's awesome. Because it's a recurring character from Knocked Up to This Is 40 and her and Paul Rudd's relationship. And just the dynamic between those two is so great. And yeah. it's interesting because you talked about finding slice of life moments that he like puts into his movies. I saw I was watching a wide autocorrect interview with him and he talks about how that, 
at the time, the posters, and this is in the movie for This Is 40, this, Paul Rudd is on an iPad in the toilet because he's just kind of <laughs> taking a moment to, like, escape. And he's talked about how, like, that hadn't really been done. People hadn't seen that before because that was a relatively new concept, the uh, iPad. And, yeah. and I didn't think, like, I'd, I'd having watched it recently, I didn't. That is literally your whole life. Yeah, but, but like, I never <laughs> think, I didn't think about that being, like, a new thing. Yeah. But he was, like, someone who kind of noticed that. And Straight. pointed it yeah. out. No, I'm sure yeah. other people had noticed it, but you see that. Reflected like, they're, they're back reflected. at you. I think that's really yeah. – that, I just think that movie's so good. I know people talk about This Is 40 Is Over Long and whatever, but I just, no. I've just i always found it so good, even when I watched it in my 20s when it came out. Now that I'm, I'm closer to definitely 40 <laughs> than I am by 20s. But, yeah, I think I – yeah, I, I like it even more as I kind of get older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do too. Uh, yeah, and I think that's the joy of the stuff that he makes mm. that you see yourself reflected back and it's hilarious, but it gets you, gets you in your ya. old heart beans yeah, and all the things. Yeah. So cool. I want to watch that King of Staten Island. Yep. Where can you get it? Uh, I, Cause I, it's not out in I cinema release. It. I did is it a few it, obviously, weeks Cause back. there's no cinema open. I can't remember whether I rented it or bought it, uh, Yeah, I but think, I've got it somewhere or I'll show you how to get it. Yeah. I think yeah. you can buy it. I yeah. saw too. Cause they obviously wanted people to watch it from home, Yeah, which is really generous too, I think. Yeah. So also I wanted to talk again, uh, very briefly about, um, Brene Brown's podcast, Unlocking Us. I know I'm just like banging on about it, but she does a great chat with Glennon Doyle, which is really fantastic about her book Untamed, which I love. And if you haven't read Untamed, you should, it's brilliant. And there's also an episode, Brene Brown just talks about a concept I hadn't heard before called over-functioning and under-functioning. Mm. And I just wanted to talk about it really, really briefly because okay. I thought it was really interesting. She just sort of goes on like a little chat about how people cope are coping with life. This is a concept around what happens when you're going through like a lot of turmoil or something really massive and like terrifying happens or hard or say you lose – she uses an example of like losing a parent – and how some people head into overfunctioning mode when they're dealing in a crisis. So, overfunctioning means that they take on everything themselves, they organize everything, they're the ones that make the lists and write the things. And, that like, you? well, maybe. Yeah, that's <laughs> one of the reasons. I just like really resonated with me. Yeah, yeah. They write the list, they send the flowers, they organize the, the friends, they like make the food. You know, they do all the things and overfunction so they don't have to process. Yes. And then there's another one called underfunctioning where instead of going into hyperdrive, people go almost into hypersleep. Mm. So they withdraw and shut down and that means that they they are often seen as the one that like is, you know, flaky or, you know, not pulling their weight or withdrawn or Would it saying, also be that like people think it's affecting them more? Even yeah, and yeah, and, and then so they're pe- not doing, they're not out there and doing stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then they kind of fall into this passive role of everyone having to look after them. Yeah, and so they become that kind of they step into that role where everyone's not only dealing with the crisis at hand, but also having to cope with how with this person. Yeah, right. As well, and um, and then kind of yeah, making it harder for people in some ways. Or just shutting down mm. and then people thinking maybe they don't care that much. Yeah. I think too. I'm probably more that side than the other. Like in a crisis. I don't know. I think no, you, mate, Depending it, on the crisis. You help though. Oh, yeah. I'm not like a. Yeah, you're yeah, great. I know. I've never had something really, truly, horrendously awful happen to me yet. <laughs> There's always time. There's not time. Oh, no, it will. It's inevitability. <laughs> no, but. but I think you're, you're great in a crisis because mm. you're quite surprisingly calm. I do think if things are heightened emotion, you go to sleep. Yeah, that's true. My brain's like, nah. Nah, too many emotions, <laughs> sleep. 
yeah, so maybe that's a tendency. I just thought that was interesting because she sort of says either one is a, a way of avoiding having to process things. Yes. And it's yeah. just nice to be aware that, and also trying to understand other people's reactions. Like in a family, the overfunctioner can get really cross and frustrated with the underfunctioner. Yeah, you right, know, that yeah. kind of dynamic. And trying to understand that both of you just have a natural way of processing or trying to deal with stuff. And instead, sitting with your emotions and trying to come to a medium ground. Yeah. Anyway, I just really resonated with me and I thought that was really interesting. That's cool. Particularly like that. in light of all the events that are happening in the world well, currently. Exactly. I'm sure people are experiencing like, because I know these people are like, I feel guilty because I didn't write that screenplay or whatever. And Yeah, exactly. And other people change. are like, I've just learned, learned yeah. French while cooking crepes hey man, while, you, you know, if you're, if you're survive, If you're surviving, that's... Yeah, just about yeah. finding that middle ground and being kind to yourself. I, yeah, I think like if you're getting, if you are getting through like day to day, yeah, that's great. Genuinely, I think it is. Like, no, I don't. Yeah, a it's lot. a lot at the moment. Yeah. It's a lot, and just finding, yeah, if you can just find space in your day to take some deep breaths. That square breathing I talked about still really helping me. The mate. forward, forward, the forward. Yeah, just it is. breathing yeah, yeah. in, holding, breathing out. Mm. Yeah. For every time. For every time. Mm. Yeah, Brene Brown talks about that too. Bloody Perfect. love her. Anyway, so I think she's got some great strategies. Does in Brene Brown, pod. does she review podcasts? Review podcasts? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know because I'm sure some people out there might think about reviewing this podcast, for example, <laughs> and you can actually <laughs> do totally it in I totally didn't app. even see where you were going. You, you open up your app, do it in app, in app, iTunes or whatever it is, five stars if you could, but obviously it's up to you. This is from A.L. Vine says five stars. Uh, entertaining banter and good wrecks. Discovered suggestibles. He wrote suggestibles ah. or she uh, through James' other podcast, The Weekly Planet. Was skeptical at first. James and Claire's chemistries are very different than James and Nick Mason's. True, but every bit is entertaining and fun to listen to. It's pure delight to hear the old couple, an old couple, but clearly won't be together much longer, bicker back and forth while recommending new and interesting TV shows, movies, and music, and hear their marriage slowly crumble before our very ears. With the glut of content available these days, it's nice to have. Claire and James point me in the right direction. With their walking sticks. Yeah. Yeah. I'll fight to see this guy. I'm going to twist his ear, Claire. (laughs) i twist his ear. You would twist his ear. All right. What have you got? Some recos from people. I have got some recos. Uh, Here we go. This is from Joe Hoffman. Hello, Joe Hoffman. Um, Joe Hoffman. Um, Hi, James and Claire. Been a huge fan of the pod from the start. Oh, we're awesome. Thanks, mate. That's so nice. Thanks. Thanks, thanks, thanks. So he's writing from the States and much like the rest of the world, we're in a bit of a mess right now with the whole, well, everything really. I couldn't agree more, Joe. So Seems true. a little tough. So true. Yeah. So he's recommending an excellent documentary on Netflix about the United States 13th Amendment to the Constitution that ostensibly ended slavery but really just offered a loophole. Hmm. Did you watch this? I did. Yeah, 13th. I watched this. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, super depressing. It is super depressing but really important, I yes. think. Um, it's expertly directed by Ava DuVernay. DuVernay, yeah, she's DuVernay. great. Oh, she's so great. Really good friends with Oprah. But he loves that. She's also doing like a new DC movie that I'm really looking forward to. Oh, she's so fantastic. She's, she's director of Selma and A Wrinkle in Time. Yeah, I haven't seen Wrinkle. I've heard Wrinkle in Time's not great. Yeah. Uh, mm. But yeah, New Gods I'm really looking forward to. It's about a whole bunch of characters that I really like. Anyway, sorry, go on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he just said if you pause, James will mention she's supposed to be directing the upcoming DC film, Correct. The New Gods. That's right. <laughs> you think you know me? Joe, you well, know I guess you too do. well, mate. I guess you do know me. <laughs> Correct. Um, it's incredibly engaging doco, one which you cannot look away from and which I think everyone should watch, harrowing but essential. Yep. Joe, 
You're spot on, mate. I agree. It's great. Also, I hope the whole family is healthy and safe and Meso too. Tell him that I hope he's healthy and safe when he comes by to record an episode of your other podcast that must be about equally successful at this point. Sure. We can only dream. I also Is that the one that also talks about how they're moving towards house arrests and ankle bracelets? That's that one, right? Correct. That, yeah, yeah. It's terrifying. Yes. Yeah, it's and it's. I just think it's such an interesting. Um, it's a couple of years old, but it's like I was surprised that it was a couple of years. It might have been twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised that it was. It was like because it feels like it like it just came out. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's it's sort of. I feel like it must be essential viewing. Definitely. Thank you, Joe. What a great recommendation. What a great recommendation. So, um, and that's on Netflix. It is. All right. That's it. Next week. Whatever. Next week. Oh. Other things. Other things. So long. So long. Bye. Bye. Oh, yeah. Well, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Great. Great. <laughs> this podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want, it's up to you. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.